The lightning flash left John Knight blind, but he glimpsed the hurtling shadow half a heartbeat before he heard the shriek. The first then died as the old man had, blood gushing from his torn throat. What up, and welcome to another episode of Brotherhood Without Manners, your favorite full spoiler reread podcast of George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series. I'm Nate. Joining me as always is my brother Zach. Yo! That's you, dude. I have clicky buttons. That's my sweater. On your sweater that I just nabbed because I've been at your house today and it's chilly. And I didn't have a sweater and I like the button. So I'm probably going to be doing that a lot. So if you hear this and it claps, I'm sorry, but it's just me buttoning and unbuttoning. Don't do that. It's a Batman sweater. If you've joined us before, you know that we are full spoiler, but this is your extra warning that... We're going to talk about the whole series and not pull any punches. So go away if, you, if you're if you against that kind of stuff. I'm trying to think if there's anything new and noteworthy. People, Thanksgiving obviously was just held here in America. And there was some division on Twitter because people were being One, mean to George. Again. Leave George alone. Fucking we love idiot. George. Thank you, George, Thanks, for your George. kind words during the holiday weekend but yeah no hope everybody's thanksgiving was good if you celebrated and had some nice dinner with the family it was nice and quiet here but that's why this episode's a little late on coming thanksgiving week was a little crazy and so here we are we're sitting down with john five last episode we were reading brand three of course bran arrived at queen's crown Along with Mira, Jojen, and Hodor, of course. And John and the Wildlings and the Old Well, man. that happens here. I know. Chill. I'm Slow just, your fucking roll. I'm just saying. And Bran, Mira, and Jojen made it out to the center holdfast in the lake and shored up there, spying the lone man, the, <gasps> the old man. Oh, shocker. And the Wildlings. Oh, spoiler. Watch out. Anyway. He's in that kind of mood today, I guess, people. Sorry. So, Bran wargs into Hodor and calms him down, and it's scary, and Mira isn't really sure what the fuck's happening. Bran's not really sure what the fuck's happening. Hodor's not really sure what the fuck's happening. Hodor's definitely not sure what's happening. And then Bran wargs into Summer to kind of check out what's happening as Summer is down in the village. And what does Summer find? Summer smells fear. And men. And men. Wildling men. What? Shut Spoiler. the fuck up, Nathan. And with that, we open on John and the Wildlings. Last we left John, we are reading John 5, John 4, mm-hmm. John Egret, Jarl, and the Magnar Thens all scaled the wall, motherfucker. Yeah, dude. Made their way up like it ain't no thing, just Except how you do. Except for the ones do. that didn't. Except for the ones who fell, but like, pour slide. one out, moving on, we're Wildlings, you know, burn the bodies, respect the dead. Bring out your dad. I don't really like Monty Python. Ooh, that's probably sacrilege wow. to admit and throw out there. Wow. Not a big Monty Python fan. I'm going to stick with the it. The Brotherhood is split on the, this. So. Oh, you are? Oh, God. I enjoy it. For, that explains so much. Bring, come on. Are you kidding me? Okay. So, yeah. So, John and the Wildlings had made it on top of the wall and were able to now proceed south into the, the gift? gift. And then to the new gift. So... John 5. Here yeah. we go. Where Strap in. The Wildlings and John. Oh my god, he's still doing it. Arrive in Cre- Queen's Crown. 
and they are they're traveling. Egret and John are kind of off on their own, just wandering ahead of the line. So yes, uh, elephant in the room. We're going to be talking about this whole episode, this episode, and the last chapter. Brand are heavily connected, synchronized, yeah. and so I think it's interesting that George starts with they're in the wet, rainy woods. And they've come upon a hill with yet another round tower, ancient and empty. And we get almost the exact same descriptions that we just got, but from John's. And John is a very different focal point from which these stories come. Because he's older, the knowledge. We get a little more history, factual history, as opposed to scary representations of. Like, he straight up notes Queen Alisane was fucking bored of the proceedings at Winterfell. There was nothing for her. And so she came around. And so she rode off on her dragon, because, you know, (laughs) that's what one does. But yeah, it's a much different lens. And again, to John, it ain't no thing. These watchtowers are run down, abandoned. Watchtowers right, in whatever. the gift, like yeah, okay. But he goes, he gives again a bit more detail than Bran did on how the gift was obtained and the the men, the Night's Watch, how they couldn't sustain it any longer. Which is actually, I think, funny because I think we got more information about the Night's Watch and sustaining the the wall or sustaining the gift than John, who talks about the people of the land more than, yeah, that it was farmed, than the yeah. actual watches involved. Because Egret's pretty stupefied by it. She's like, who built it? Some king? Like, it's so actually kind right. of endearing. And John's like, no. Like, whoever lived here, probably like a farmhand or something. And Egret calls it a castle. And John's like, you should see fucking Winterfell. There's towers three times this. And she's like, you need giants. You couldn't do you're it. You're fucking up. lying. Are and you kidding me? No. John's like, well, you know, some people say they're brand the builder. Well, he doesn't say it. He thinks that. Thinks it, yeah, because he he doesn't want to confuse her. (laughs) Fuck you, John. John pisses me off in this chapter. Right. He is so... Condescending? Patronizing to Egret. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forget how wild you are. Fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Let's get there. She says some awesome words. I don't know. Uh, it's here yet, but when we get there, we'll get there. John, John wishes the land. he could show Egret Winterfell. Give her a flower from the glass gardens. Feast her in the great hall. Show her the stone kings on their throne. Battle, bathe in the battle, bathe in the hot pools. Well, maybe soon. Battle is sex to Jamie Lannister, so you know. Show uh, <laughs> and love beneath the heart tree while the old gods watched over us. I think it's interesting. That in all the things he wants to do, he wants to show Egret the Stone Kings on their thrones, which means he wants to take her to the crypts, a place that he is not fond of entering at all. And so I think this is heavily, heavily important because the ne- very next line is, "'Tis a sweet dream, but Winterfell would never be his to show. He's a snow, not a stark. Bastard, oathbreaker, and turncloak." So... The whole, like, going into the the crypts, showing you grit that, is part of a bigger wanting of wanting to be worthy of inheriting Winterfell. Right. Of right. actually being a Stark, of having a reason, a purpose to go down into the crypts and not be terrified, as we know he is. He has horrible dreams of walking around an empty Winterfell and knowing he's got to go down into the crypts. And it's just that. This is... The, the big struggle of John is that he's he's not worthy. He knows his place is bastardy, and he doesn't want to. He has no desire to usurp Rob's 
rights to Winterfell, Catelyn's biggest fear, take Winterfell away from him or Bran or Rickon or Sansa. Right, John doesn't right, want right. to. That's why he went to the Wall in the first place. And so it's this. Though even even in his musings of like daydreaming about what he'd do with his super hot babe, like it's it's all a lie. It's all fantasy because he wouldn't take her into the stone crypts. Even if they got to Winterfell, he'd be too like nah. Where she'd be like, oh, let's fucking go. That's cool. And he'd be like, eh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I should. Unless it played out the way she thinks, where she says, well, after the war, we can we can come back and live in this tower. This after, one right here. After. And he's like, well, first of all. This tower? What? No. The romantic language, the after, the word was a spear thrust to Jon Snow. Like, Egret is... Um, I do think this is the most naive that Egret is in this entire chapter. And I wouldn't even call it naive. She's just not thinking about what does actually happen when the wild things get south of the wall. Not many people in Westeros are going to accept that as a okay or... Not without some kind of ambassador that's built up the trust of the nation. And there isn't at this point. Not the way they want to do it. Mance Raider isn't going to be treating with the High Lords. They're going to just try to shit all over them first and foremost and kill them all. And so it's this after is such a loaded phrase right here for all of them, especially considering the circumstances surrounding yeah. it. There's a, a war coming between the wildlings and the wall right now. You know, we've read the whole series, so we know how it turns out. And yeah, Egret, there really is a small Although, chance of an after for It is two. funny that she's talking about coming back and living here afterwards when that's exactly what they're going to be able to do, the wildlings, is live in the gift and populate the new gift and all of that. They He starts thinking, John, about how... There was a time where Benjen and Ned were working on a deal with the the wall to where they could take back ownership and Ned would start populating these lands again with Stark people, lordlings, raised lordlings yep. to live in these castles. I don't know if it's here where John thinks I I could have been one of those lords in you know when that time came. Right. If winter came faster and ended sooner because according to Ned that was a dream for spring. It's a dream for spring. Fuck you, Ned Stark. Still Dude, Ned taking Stark us predicting to the fucking book three. Still books taking early. us to school. Uh, yeah, I like it because John says on the still ruminating on the after after the war after the conquest after the wildlings break the wall. I just think conquest is a very interesting word to use there. As we know, Aegon's conquest is what settled the Targaryen dynasty here in Westeros and started the lineage that we're still dealing with the effects of. And so it's just an interesting word, conquest, yeah. considering it's revolving around Jon Snow, a Targaryen, right. and all of the... on history. Right. Hey. So he, she asks what happened to them, and he tells her that they were driven off by your raiders. Uh, he says Lord Eddard is dead, Benjen lost, and the shield that they had dreamt together would never be forged. I think John's wrong there. Well, he forges. Right. He starts to, and then he's murdered. And then he's murdered. But I think, uh, as do one of our readers, which we'll get to, or our listeners, our readers, our listeners in the small council we'll get to, believes that not only is this not foreshadowing, this is just, this is what will happen. Ned and Benjen's shield will be made, and it's 
gonna be the wildlings they're gonna settle here and populate the new gift and be the new lords and ladies of this area and chances are likely that it's going to be Jon Snow who makes this all happen because that's what he was working towards in dance before he gets killed and then as we all know Jon Snow's fucking coming back and so the new gift being settled may likely be something that we see in a dream of spring as Ned Stark called it but yeah um they continue saying yeah, that so Egret asks like why why they all abandon it like what what cuz y'all raiders cuz wildlings suck well, John then says. They're, they're weak then like why would they, they should have fought off? they should have stayed they're and cowards she says that cuz I forget what leads into it, but she yells at him that they came and stole the whole world. The kings of the... When they came and conquered, they put up a wall and decided this land is ours and this is ours and that's ours. Yeah, Yeah, because John says, like, well, maybe they were just tired of fighting, so they left. And she's like... We we wouldn't be fighting you if you didn't put up your big fucking wall, motherfucker. She said, the gods made the world for all men to share. Then kings came and required all their bullshit and split it and divided it. You call us thieves, but at least a thief has to be brave and clever and quick. A kneeler only has to kneel. And, like, this is where he's like, oh, well, you know, what if you were taken by a man you didn't want? Yeah. And she's like, I'd fight him off. I'd fucking cut his eyes out. I'd throw water on him right. if he didn't if pay. He John stinks, keeps trying he... to ask all these things, which John isn't getting the message here of Westeros is systematically keeping women weak, brah. Because, yes, Egret has an answer for everything you're saying. She wouldn't allow someone. A weak guy wouldn't be able to steal me. Right. And if a strong guy did, then I'd learn to like him. If he beat me, I'd fight him I'd off. I'd fuck him up. Him right. Until he stopped. Like, if he tried and to John's me, like, like, And John, the way John's raised in Westeros, is like, no, 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 that's not okay. That's perfectly fucking fine. If a man's gonna fucking go up and assault Egret, Egret has every fucking right to cut his nuts off and feed them to him. Absolutely, and John is so conditioned by the the way it is that he's not recognizing here. The lesson here isn't that Egrid is wild, which is what he goes to. I forget how wild she is. It's that women are fucking oppressed in Westeros. They're not allowed to fight back, and wildlings, it's encouraged, it's accepted. Who's going to fucking stop people like Egrid from fighting back, and Val and Dala, these badass wildling women? So it's just, John isn't getting the message here. The system is broken in Westeros. That's the fucking issue here. You keep trying to, oh, what if it's a man you don't like stealing you? Well, then I'll fuck him up. And she says, finally, a man can own a woman or a man can own a knife. But no man can own both. I hate that line. Yeah. I really hate that line. And I think that's the submissive part of the wildlings where it's, oh, well, he's strong. He can beat me into submission. Whereas the Wester, uh, Westerosi, the Sansas are like, no, I don't care how strong he is. Like, I don't, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't think she's quite to that point yet. Yeah, but yeah, she's yeah. growing into that. No, strength doesn't matter. Like, stay the fuck off. You don't get just because you can beat somebody up doesn't mean you can take me. Doesn't mean you own me. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, John thinks it's easy to forget how wild she actually is when he's lost in her eyes or in the red of her hair or in the lusciousness of her lips. But someone would say something, and suddenly he'd be reminded of the wall between their worlds, 
which again the romantic language here of this is a this is fucking tragedy here like Jon Snow is in love this is straight Romeo and Juliet and he can't have it right they're star-crossed lovers we literally get that with the constant constellations that their constellations are fucking even mixed up and they can't get right because these two based on these systems that they come from are not meant to be together they're not supposed to be together it can't work and that's what everything is working toward is working against them and that was Mance's intent with setting up the you know two hearts that beat as one and leaning into that was to put John in this position anyway and it's just it's fucked up it's sad because these two never had a chance even right. as strong-willed as Egret is as heroic and good as Jon Snow is that it never stood a fucking chance these two and it sucks because they're they're great for each other they both enjoy each other and if john could fucking just let that go let go all the ned stark bullshit let go all the bastardy let go all the indoctrinated fucking chivalric bullshit then they'd have a great relationship so leading out of her a man can own a woman or a knife she says and men can't own the land any more than they can the air or the sea, the sea or the skies. I mean, welcome to our world, but... I mean, well, then you get men like Euron who right. are claiming that that's exactly what they they intend to do. You kneelers think you own everything? Mance is going to show you otherwise. And John's like, yeah, that shit kind of rings hollow, make my love. And he tells Egret, making sure that no one's around. Mance can't... When he tries to, he's basically pleading with Right, her this, is like, the, this is the run away with me. Like, right. get, the, get the message. Mance can't win this war. Wildlings fight with reckless courage, but in battle discipline beats Valor every time. He'll fail as every king beyond the wall has failed, and when he does, you'll die. And now I think we got some very similarly worded text from Tywin back when Tyrion showed up with the clansmen the uh, way back when when they when he was assigning them as the vanguard and he didn't like that shit that they're out there just to be cannon fodder that's how they they work well I mean this is straight up like a Ned Stark lesson as well like John has straight up ruminated on this before that when he was first walking among their camps that there's no ranks there's no you know order it's no spike fences set up nothing it's it's just kind of wanton lay where you lie and he recalled that back then ned saying that you can have as many numbers as you want and each but if each man's out for his own personal glory which the wildlings very much so are then discipline a a disciplined army is going to cut through them easily and he tells her when he falls all of you will fall all of you, and I'll regret, all of us, corrects him. You are one of us. You ain't no crow. I made sure of it. I promised. I swore you weren't. So she shoves him up against the you tree. You better fucking not be. You are mine as I am yours. And if we die, we die. All men must. John, all men but must first. die, John Snow. But first, we live. And his voice is heavy. <sighs> yes. <laughs> first we live. Justice. First we live. And John flexes his hand and wonders what Egret would do if she knew his heart. And he wants to tell her, wants so badly to Yo, tell her. Yo, this kid barely knows his fucking heart. Go fuck yourself, But John. he can't risk it as too much depends on his return to Castle Black. 
They descended the wall at the abandoned Grey Guard, and from there, Steer had led them into the gift to avoid the routine wall patrols. They saw no signs of other men, only uninhabited villages. Right. John recalls the half-hand's words quite a lot through all this. Do not balk, ride with them, fight with them, eat with them. But still, the wildlings don't fucking trust them. Which, I mean, John, you've been with them, like... A couple months at most, right. so, like, why really would they be all up in your shit? But he said he thinks that there's still this line he hasn't crossed yet. Right. Which uh, is spilling a brother's blood. Right. And he keeps saying a brother's, but I think he means anybody south of the wall, clearly. Any innocent blood is where he's kind of at. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's He's attributing it. To the Night's Watch vows, but it's very much so what he was just taught by Ned Stark type of thing. Right. That wildlings are bad, the Night's Watch is honor and valor, and innocent people don't deserve to die. And yeah, it's all kind of rolled up into one now, knowing especially that the wildlings are fucking people. And that's what's fun is that, not for the wildlings, but we spent a lot of time at the Wall with John and traveling with the Night's Watch and up at the Fist of the First Men. There's a lot of shitty people in the Night's Watch. We spent half as much time, but we spent time now traveling with the Wildlings, getting to know Tormund right. and that group, and hearing the Giant's song, and, you know, we've gotten to know these people. They're better people than a majority of the men in the Night's right. Watch. Right, I mean, women are free to choose who they want to sleep with and right. have a relationship with, and what they want to do, if they want to be a spearwife, if they want to be a warrior. Right, like... Already more fucking progressive. Tormund Giantsbane. I remember I made a big deal about it when he basically told John, once a fucking woman gets pregnant, the man doesn't have a say. Like, even wildlings know that it's right, a woman's right. body. Like, that type of shit. Right. It's it's ridiculous that they're considered savages. They're just culturally different. Oh, right. no. And so... Yeah, among the questioning. Did you talk about the questioning? Did you bring the questioning up when John gets summoned? Well, no, no, because I... Uh, he again. He thinks this. Once I shed a brother's blood, I am lost. He is lost. I cross the wall for good. Then and there is no crossing back. Which parallelogram time? It Whoa. reminds me of Danny's. If I look back, I am lost. Yeah, if if yeah. I if I slay a brother, I'm lost. Like or an innocent. But if I give in to sort of the wildling nature of just wanton slaughter, which foreshadowing, she she's all about the like. I'll kill if I need to kill to prove a point. She, while she justifies it, typically, she's out there just fucking killing where he's doing everything he can, but then we'll go on to slaughter a bunch of wild Yeah, I also think it's interesting because, as far as I can recall, up to his death and dance, John hasn't yet shed a brother's blood. But he was just killed by all of his brothers in the Night's Watch, basically. Right. So when he comes back... He spared Janos Slint. That well, that that blood he did draw. He drew Janos Slint's because he beheaded him instead of giving him the noose because Ned Stark's teachings. But I guess that could count. But just is it, you know, that sort of lost? Like when he comes back, that he's gonna be, you know, it's just John. It's John. There's lots of interesting foreshadowing with John. Well, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be fun with his thoughts there because we also know from the the latest Arya chapters how coming back affects the mind. Right. You, know, you lose pasts and focus your memories on certain details and aspects of 
your your goals and ambitions instead of who you were and why you had those aspirations. But but yeah, the, the wildlings don't trust him. The Magnar has summoned him at the end of every day's march and questioned him about Castle Black's defenses. And unfortunately, they're not stupid wildlings, right. these ones. So he they, lied where he could. But, but it's not often because they would call him out if he was making up too much. And the and... truth is, shit, Castle Black has no defenses, save the wall itself. Castle is being kind to call it that. It doesn't have any walls or defenses on the south side. And the old bear took nearly 200 on his ranging. Had any returned? Fuck all, if John knows. And we know that, no, they made it to Craster's, and then the rest, the good ones, had to flee. So are just now starting to begin kind of pouring in from Craster's. And so that's a shit show and a half, but... He thinks that Castle Black's defenders would be Blind Maester Aemon and his steward Clytus, Donald Noy, Septon Celador, Deaf Dick Follard, Three Finger Hob, Sir Winton Stout, and Halder Toad Pip Albert, and the other boys that had trained with John. Boys. Bowen Marsh would have command. Bowen. Which, oof, we learned that Ed had taken to calling the old pomegranate because. He looks like a fucking no pomegranate. You know? Yeah. Yeah, dude. And so uh, I'm just going to read this little passage here that I really like it. I'll allow it. If the Magna takes Castle Black's unaware, Castle Black's, Castle Black unawares, it will be red slaughter, boys butchered in their beds before they know they are under attack. John had to warn them, but how? He was never sent out to forage or hunt, nor allowed to stand or watch alone. And he feared for Egret as well. He could not take her, but if he left her, would the Magnar make her answer for his treachery? Two hearts that beat as one. So, I just like how brutal John is. Like, of just, it's going to be wanton slaughter. There are no defenses it's almost like raiding a whole like a a, one of these villages villages. in the gift it's not the big strong scary night's watch it's right well their defense is on the other side a bunch of cold old men huddling behind a wall right and like there's some instances in the wall's history of some younger boys being murdered at night in quite a creepy way, and it's just an interesting, very interesting passage that I really liked. But he sleeps every night with Egret at his side. She is both his joy and his despair, as he loves the smell of her hair and the feel of her titty and <laughs> all of it. And then he wonders if this is how his father felt, laying with his mother. Ooh! Nope. Gross. Nope. Also, you don't think about your father or mother like that. Right. But he, where was I going with this? Egret he set starts, the trap. Yeah, he starts thinking about how it's harder and harder every day as he gets to know each of the the wildlings. I don't want it. On a more personal level. And I like the little, he gives a little, you know, bit about each one. Like, Greg wants to visit the green men on the Isle of Faces. Or is it Grog? Greg? Grig? Grig. Greg? I think it's Greg. Greg wants to visit the... Now, he, he specifically says the green men on the Isle of Faces, as opposed to the children. Do they call the ch- green men children, or the green seers something different? Like, the way that that... 
is worded. No, nothing. Nah, I I don't think there's really a difference. I think it's just different I words just, for the same. I want to hear the stories that he's heard to why he would want to go down there and visit. You know. Yeah. I mean, other than that, you know, if there's, does that mean that he thinks that there's green men down there, but not up above, and they he can't visit them up there? Or I want to get to know Greg, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting, like, what, yeah, what are the wildlings? What do you hear about the Isle of Faces? That's a, a nice little point, actually. But court is, uh, court? Qu- court? Court is absolutely fucking taken by the castles, and again, the, the, the towers. Court is 14 and had already stolen a wife and had a child on the way, which, like, fucking Damn Jesus. kid, damn kid. And, yeah, he's has taken as... Egret with the watchtower saying that, like, maybe, who knows, maybe his son is going to grow up in one of these castles. Like, that'd be fucking dope. <sighs> Which, again, like, e- like oh, there's a wildling thinking that this will e- equate him to royalty. Just one of these round towers. Yeah. Like, that's the level of difference here between the Westerosi society and the wildling, the free folk society. Like, cavemen to... Right, fucking... City building. Yeah, you know. it's it's ridiculous. It's withholding technology to inherently keep a people back. Right. John wonders where Ghosty is. He's had no sense of him since he left the climb the wall. Yeah, and sent him on his way. Not even in his dreams. It feels as if a part of him is cut off. He feels alone, even beside Egret, and he does not want to die alone. He. Mm. That's some dance. He lost that's, his stark That's part. dance foreshadowing right there. He lost... <laughs> Thinking of ghosts and not yeah. wanting to die alone. Right. And so he's calling out to ghost and Arya. Poke him with the, the point... Is it, with the, Stop him with the pointy end. You... I, I butchered that yeah, for a second. Yeah, you did. I went back and fixed it. So by the late afternoon, Lems was foretelling of a storm coming in. And as his mother was like a woods witch, he generally knew when the fucking weather was changing. Because... Yep. Fucking wood witches, man. So, yeah, they. it's pointed out that there's a village a couple miles away, and Steer's like, yep, we're going there. And it is dark when they reach the village, and the storm is raging now. And the village is beside a lake. Mostly collapsed, and even the collapsed roofless inn must have been a welcome sight to travelers back in the day, which is an immediate 360 from how Bran sees it. An, right. an empty inn is a very sad thing to... To brand, but this to John, very welcome, welcoming sight. Respite, back at one point. yeah, from a ranger of the wall type of thing, type of perspective. Now, I I love how little attention I and because it's such a quick thing, we know that they've seen a fuckload of towers on their way here already. They've passed little villages and and other guard towers. So this one is just as uninteresting as the rest of them. They have no desire to go looking around inside of it. Mm-hmm. And they're so worried up in that tower that they're going to be spotted and heard out. And I don't. Does it say that they hear ghosts or something screaming up there? That in this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, briefly, but, yeah. But that's it. Like, and they're not going to go searching through the shit because they don't give a fuck. Yeah, there's no shelter to be had in the village, and the scouts Eric and Dell return almost at once. And this is when John sees the glimmer of a fire. And he thinks we are not alone in dread coiled in him like a snake because this is the put-up-or-shut-up moment right. here for him where we're encountering someone, most like someone's going to die here, and it's not going to be good regardless of who it is. Right. So <laughs> 
He the scouts come back reporting that there's an old man alone, just one, with a fire. And a horse. And a horse. The fens spread out, establishing a perimeter, and to make sure that no one else is in the village, the rest are crowded into the inn. Two of the fens had thrown the man to the ground and were going through his things, and John walks away. Steer will kill him, he thinks. Any kneelers were to be put to death immediately. That was the order that they were given so that they can't raise the alarm for Castle Black. And he wanders, man. He goes. He does the same thing that he did up at uh, the circle, the fist of the first man, mm-hmm. where he kind of circles the perimeter, just checking things out, and gets directed back into the inner circle. Yeah, he thinks, "Must I stand mute while they slit an old man's throat?" Which I don't know. A little bit of a Jamie parallel there. Just kind of go away inside type of thing, right? As Jamie had to do with Rickard Stark when he was burned. And, yeah, near the village edge, a Thens guard is like, nah, yeah, get the fuck back. And get back where you belong, John you interprets belong. from his movements. And John yeah. then thinks, but where is that? Where Where do I belong? Brooding beside a lake. Well, duh. In the middle of a storm. I mean, your ass on the Iron Throne. That is where Egret finds him. And he's just staring up at the tower. And he... Tells her, you know, I I think I know where we are, and if you and he tells her to be watching up at the towers. John also notes that I was right, and that the Holdfast has a grim, haunted look about it. So score one for me. He agrees. Queen's Crown is fucking haunted, and he grits like, yeah, a couple of the men saw they heard some right. some shit up there, but yeah, they. Have some cute banter, and John tells her that they could walk to the tower. They wouldn't have to swim there. And Egret's like, nah. And so John tells of Alisan and Silverwing. And good queen. If she was so good, she would have torn down that wall. Hey. Damn, Daniel. Uh, I also believe it was good queen Alisan who attempted to go even further, and Silverwing refused to go north of the wall. So, uh, it may not have been Silverwing. It could right. have been a different dragon. But I know there was a Targaryen who wanted to go north further, and the dragon was like, fuck nah. Yeah. So. And so he explains what Queen's crown is and that she stayed a night here. Because at first, Regret was like, oh, a queen lived here? No, 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 no. She stayed the night here once, so they painted those things yellow. Damn, that's, that's some it. good paint, yo. That's right? Like Held up well. But he starts to bring up Tyrion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then a then in a Jon Snow, man, I want. And so Egret comes to because she, fuck you, she does what she wants. And he goes into the the, into the room, and Stig immediately tells him, "Kill the old man. He must Knock die. Him. Do it, Crow." The old man said nothing, only stared at John standing amongst the wildlings. And John's like, he definitely can't see that my my outfit's entirely black, right? I hope right. he doesn't know I'm a crow. And John draws Longclaw. Fire tracing a sullen orange line along its blade. Such a small fire to cast a man, cost a man his life, John thinks. And he again recalls Corrin's advice. Ride with them, hunt with them, eat with them, fight with them, hunt with them. Fire is life up here, but it can be death as well, Corrin had said when yep. they were in the Frost Fangs. And that's what John thinks immediately, but that was in the Frost Fangs. This is the fucking gift. Like, people should be safe to build a fire yeah. and not die for it. And the man doesn't say a word throughout any of this while John is sitting there brooding. Mercy, he might have said, or begged for his life. 
Though no words would save him, and perhaps he knew that. So he held his tongue and looked at John in accusation and appeal. Corin's words again, but John thinks that this old man was just unlucky that we were here and happened to see him. Like, he didn't do anything. Yeah. He doesn't deserve to die for stopping at this inn. The man looks up at him and he says, I will fall into those eyes and drown. Yeah. Magnar is staring at him, too. So, the importance of Ned Stark's lesson. If you're going to sentence a man to death, you owe it to the man to look him in the eyes and hear his last words. And that's the effect. John is looking into this man's eyes and has no good reason to kill him. And he can't. The man who passes the sentence should swing the sword, and John cannot Pass cast judgment on this man who's literally done nothing wrong. And that's... This is the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's Ned Stark's teachings. There is no reason that this old man has to die here other than the wildlings hate, hate the yeah. wall, hate the watch, and want to fight and want to get south. I know that's generalizing it, but to John right now, the wildlings are just savages who want to kill and want to rip the realm apart right, right now. So he finally tries to stall a bit and reason with them. He's he's not doing anything. You guys were different when we killed you. We you were soldiers. You were they were just camping by a fire. They said and Ygritte gets pissed. Well, the, he thinks the man is dead. What's it matter if it's my sword that slays him? One quick clean cut, and this is Valerian steel, even like ice. And then John recalls another killing. The head rolling, the brightness of the blood on the snow, and his father's sword, his father's words, his father's face. Daddy? I mean, it's just its just that. He's struggling here between being a Stark, being a Stark more than anything, not even a Night's Watchman, but this is a man of the North. This is a, a, a man of Eddard Stark's and, people yeah. that, like, they were meant to protect. And, yeah, Egret's like, do it. Fucking do it. And he doesn't. And so she does. Magnar is like, yeah, no, I don't see any free folk here. I see a crow and his crow wife. And he grits had enough, so she strides forward and opens the man's throat and chaos. Yeah. Suddenly, the fen says well, she, she flings the bloody blade at John's feet, which I you like. Know nothing, John Snow. This this one is on, on you, according to her. The Magnar says something, but thunder and lightning crash, and death leapt down upon them. What up, Bran? What up, Summer? So, what is this Bran seeing John and, like, hearing the situation that they want him to kill the old man and see? Well, we know he just warged into him. Like, he's in him at this point. Right. Unless he's being pulled out. But we know that fast. there's almost a filter on it, right? Because he... He sees one of the wildlings and says that he has the skin pulled up to make him blind and deaf. So, like, is he understanding the context here that these wildlings, these are wildlings? Uh, is he even able to pin that out? These wildlings want Jon Snow to kill this innocent man in Brandon's gift, and Jon's a member of the Night's Watch. I think that Bran has come out of summer often, or at least once or twice, explaining to Jojen and Mira what he saw even though it was being interpreted from Summer's point sure, of view. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I definitely think that even if not in the moment, he will be aware of exactly what occurred after. I just think it's like it, it's a bloody bold move of like, goddamn, like, let's just fucking go for it. Bran doesn't know 
who these people are to John, like, you know, just from watching one scene. I think that matters a lot less than anything else because he also knows that this is a man of the North and that he's ba- probably based on their dressings and the way they're treating him. Sure. That they are wild. I mean, yeah. So. I mean, Bran may haven't be having some of his own Ned Stark son, you know, feelings, but like, yeah, I just, I didn't know Bran's level of investment here. Is it literally just, he's kind of picking up that John may be in trouble and wants to help him or well, it could be is more it summer wildling intuition. fucking innocent man in the gift Night's Watchmen, I understand this whole scenario and what they want. Because we do know also that, you know, John was thinking about Ghost earlier, and so maybe he's also reaching, reaching, and, you know, Summer is connecting to Well, that, I mean, we did pose at the end of Bran that maybe he was feeling some of John's fear as well. Well, we do know that from Varamyr, once a creature has been warged into, it's easy for somebody else to slip into that creature. So maybe not necessarily all of John slipping, but... Summer knowing how John is feeling is the reason that Summer pulled the trigger there. Seeing that all the tension between the ma- the wildlings and then John, oh fuck, like I'm dead right here. So unless it's Summer hears what the Magnar says, which is probably fucking kill the crow, like right, right, and and because that's John just glimpses the hurtling shadow. The first then died as the old man did with blood gushing from his torn throat. And there are curses, shouts, and howls of pain. Some of the men fall over. Ghost, John thinks. Ghost has jumped the wall, which, like, hey, diddle diddle, John, fucking relax. I think, like, Ghost may find his way up into the mountains and, like, come over the wall that way. He's not fucking, fucking. The cow jumped over the moon bullshit. And then he's like, nah, it's this wolf. It's too great. One, the wolf on Dell's chest, which, like, or Del Jell was around John's age, and right. so like a lot of life yet before him is gray, and all at once John Snow knew that he would never get another chance at escape, and so he cuts down a man, shoves past another, and slashed at a third as someone begins shouting his name. So, just like that, he's killing people. Killed a, killed yep. a wildling, fucking shoves another one, slashes at a third, like. He is full-on back to Man of the Night's Watch. He has no trepidation. If I shed a brother's blood, I no am hesitation, lost. Right, but a while thing. into this guy's calf. Right. Yanking him. And I think when he gets yelled at right here is when he takes the arrow in his leg. Oh, this is Egret saying, right. like, fuck you, Jon Snow. You know nothing. Cause... And he manages to grab a hold of the horse and pull himself up one-handed while wielding his sword in the other. Yeah, Bodger grabs his foot and ankle and catches Longclaw to the face for it, which See? just explodes in a <sighs> gush of blood. And then they're running. And it's all John can do to stay on, but the gods are with him, and the horse does not stumble in the dark, rainy thunder and lightning. And hours later... So, we are we, and uh, maybe you haven't thought about it, he's able to do all that because he's Lyanna's son. Lyanna's Lyanna's son and a Targaryen? Like, Lyanna is the most known for her horse riding skills. Yeah, because he has no idea how he grabbed this horse one-handed. Because your mother was a fucking pro, and it runs directly in your blood. Mm -hmm. You are a master horseman just because of that. And then, yeah, the Targaryen, look at Danny's freedom with the horse and, and, you know, the the riding. That, and and I mean, this in itself is a heroic, like, moment, like... Most people would freeze here. A hurtling shadow. It's a fucking wolf that John thinks is his and then okay, realizes it isn't. But I'm okay. But And then still has to, like, I need to go. Great. I need to go now. 
And so, like, the, the the ability to recognize that in that moment and keep his cool, keep his composure, and actually do it. Like, yeah, Jon Snow is made of a fucking thicker cloth than most men are. And it's, he's just, you know, angsty teenager as well. And it sucks, because teenagers suck. Later, he finds himself alone in a sea of tall, dark grass. That gave me a lot of vibes from the the Dothraki Sea and yeah. the ghost grass. But and Danny at the end of dance. The reverse, yeah. He sees an arrow in the back of his thigh, and he's like, when did that get there? How did that happen? And tries to recall the madness of the inn, but only recalls the beast, a dire wolf. Rob, in the north? John dismounts, knowing that the arrow has to come out, and tries to tug it out, but it's too good in the meat, so he has to shove it forward. Oh. Yeah. And manages to stay conscience through conscience through it all, though the pain is excruciating. He gets the arrow pushed through the front of his thigh, and after just kind of lays there bleeding, but then realizes, I have to move or I'm going to die. Uh, I believe, again, that Danny has a pretty similar thought when blood and diarrhea shit is running down her thighs at the end of dance. And he moves himself to a stream, cleans up, and binds the wound. And then remounts, noting that the horse is just over there grazing, which, thank God, because yeah. he would not be able to chase it. And he searches for the ice dragon in the sky. Again, taking that imagery, the constellation. His constellation, right? Yeah. No more. The of ice the... dragon back to the wall. Like, here we go. It's back to fucking business. Here's the nine to five. Here we go. He's punching going home. in. I'm going home. But if that were true, why does he feel so hollow? Because of foreshadowing. He rode for Castle Black and he rode until dawn. The stars staring down upon him like eyes. Hey, those looking stars that like to fucking watch. Because they were also watching Jamie Lannister. Perverts. Getting his, uh, getting his Getting fuckery, his bathhouse on. Getting his fuckery on with Vargo. Oh, no, it wasn't oh, bathhouse. Was yeah, that, yeah, it was yeah. like in his bullshit because yeah. he was gross and what wretched creature mm-hmm. am I. That's John, folks. That's John. That's Queen's Crown. He's heading back to the wall. We have one more wall chapter, like, next, and then it's, like, the Battle of Castle yeah. Black. I think John has the most chapters left in the book. I think so, yeah. Cause Maybe we're, Jamie. I've begun my counting of them to start, you know, because we're, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty right. here. And then next is going to be... Well, Danny, we're going to go ahead and, yeah, council, convene our small our council and start doing this yeah, wrap-up. I had something to say You're about getting Danny. fucking ahead of yourself. Relax. We'll get into small council. Thanks. Bye. The lightning flash left John night blind, but he glimpsed the hurtling shadow half a heartbeat before he heard the shriek. The first then died as the old man had, blood gushing from his torn throat. Then the light was gone, and the shape was sprinting away, snarling, and another man went down in the dark. There were curses, shouts, howls of pain. John saw big boils stumble backwards and knock down three men behind him. Ghost, he thought for one mad instant. Ghost leapt the wall. Then the lightning turned night to day, and he saw the wolf standing on Dell's chest, blood running black from his jaws. Gray. He's gray. What up, Sums? Some Sum. Summer. No, it's Grey Wind, dude. He magically flew all the way up here from the neck, and there he is. Mm. Yay. Similar to uh, to people believing that Stannis' banners in the north will be Bobby B. 
Bobby, Bobby B, Bobby B, Bobby B, B, B. You got an inductee for this John John chapter. Yeah, I'm going to give it to the wildlings that died in this chapter. The ones that were... Poor one out. Yeah. For Del. Del and, and, you know, all the good ones that he was getting, that John was getting to know before all the he good stabbed ones. them all in the back. Um, well, because fuck Stig and, you know, because he's a son of Steer? a bitch. Steer? Did I say Stig? Stig, yeah. Stig, whatever. That guy, too. Fuck them both. So, yeah, all the wildlings that died this chapter that we didn't get to really know as well as even John did. Yeah, we've got the first casualties of this war, of the Battle of Castle Black, right here in the gift. And Good job, John. Yeah, it is all Jon Snow's fault, because he's a pile of garbage. Yeah, your inductee, dude? My inductee... I'm trying to find where I noted it. Because. Oh my god. No, mainly just for one small reason. There it is. Yeah. Uh, is Court. Because Court is 14. And that yeah, motherfucker Court. already has a wife and a baby on the way. Like. Yeah, man. <laughs> some help. Apparently um, he doesn't. Nah, he's fucking got it, dude. He's fine. He's like, look at that tower. That one? That My baby was, is growing up in that tower. That's the tower my baby's growing up in. So court, because hopefully he made it out, man. He's got a he's got wife and, and baby coming. He's got to protect them through the long night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So court. Nice. He can bring the kid. He can bring the kid. And we'll the keep, lady. Yeah, and you the give lady. him a night out. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So we did get some inductees as well from listeners. I have Erica's right here ready to go. Um, initially was worried about uh, having chosen an uninspired po- uh, one by using the point of view or the one she chose. And I don't I disagree in uh, just because they're the Same. the point of view doesn't mean that it's uninspired that they, they have their point of views for a reason. They get the cool shit. So anyway, she decided to induct Summer, because something really interesting has happened here, and it was set off by the appearance of the direwolf. John is in an impossible situation here. He has to convince the wildlings he's already one of them. He has to follow the order of his superior, who commanded him to do whatever is asked of him by the wildlings. He also has to consider Egret and his struggle between duty and love. So in this situation, everything points to he should kill the man. But how could he kill an innocent? And I love that at this very moment... A creature appears to remind him of his roots, his family, and the morals his father had taught him. His connection to his family and to the wolves is still so strong that this gives him the strength to step up, kill the wildlings, and flee, even if it means he has to betray and leave Egret. All of this is really fucked up and sad, but Summer's appearance and help were crucial so he could survive and get out of the situation. I love that these kids don't only have a strong connection to their own wolves, but the other wolves as well. They're all a pack, and they need each other to survive. Mm. It comes full circle, and it's really beautiful. Cheers. See you later. Erica from Hungary. The Thank pack you. survives. The pack, dude. It's I just picture, you know, Vin Diesel coming in. Stop. <laughs> Jesus. Family. <laughs> so, also got Kristen here yes. with an email, and uh, Kristen also agrees that it's not even foreshadowing uh a dream for spring at our shield is something that will be rehappening. The gift will be repopulated yeah. in dream. And she also wanted to note that the all men must die. Uh, Egret saying that is interesting. The fact that there isn't any sort of wildling play on it. It's exactly the same as Valar Morghulis as it's stated in the rest of the world. And there is, doesn't seem to be any cultural difference there. Yeah. There's uh, a little bit of questions. I want to interject that Kristen had mentioned about, 
reading the Spanish version versus the English, but it's also there in the English right. version. And so. yeah, and I think she's actually onto something here because we talked about the constellations being different. These differences are specifically brought up, yet all men must die is still the phrase even in the North. Is that so she asks here perhaps something old Valeria got passed down and maybe touched something in the north and I don't think that's crazy because I, that I, is a good catch and an interesting point. I know there's theories out there that there that Westeros and the whole world used to be very Pangea, it was all interconnected. Right. And so when it broke out that technically there are wildlings that probably were in from the same areas as the Valyrians and so it's not crazy to think their languages would be similar and carried over. She also thinks it's interesting that summer is personified as death obviously bringing death being the big bloodthirsty killing machine but also kind of being personified as a sort of grim reaper figure considering the others are supposed to be the death personification of this story also similar the wolf pack down in the the riverlands aria's wolf pack in nameria is very death running around over watching over everything down in that area right so it's neat that the wolves are and so for this chapter, she's going to induct Egret for delivering the awesome line, if we have to die, we'll die, but first we'll live. It's cheesy, but I love how representative it is of her as a character and her relationship with John. I agree. I, I think that it's even less cheesy than we think coming from her because she's so purely meaning. It's that romantic language that George is using, especially heavy-handed in this chapter between these two of, yeah, this is this is a tragic romance that right. is, is going to end in even more tragedy here in a couple chapters. And so, yeah, thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Erica. Erica, and, you know, everyone who comments to us and writes in, even if it isn't inductees uh, on Twitter and everywhere else. Twitter is where I can be found, at Manners Without, and Zach is at Carstark92. We have our Patreon, which we have currently early access to episodes. We have our Dunkin' Egg episodes going. Uh, next one's coming soon. Patreon.com slash Without Manners. We can be emailed, withoutmannersbrotherhood at gmail.com. That's where all these inductees came from. Facebook.com slash Brotherhood Podcast is the Facebook group. You can go to the website and get links to all these places at brotherhoodwithout.com. Rate us, review us everywhere that it's good and grand because we appreciate that. We're on YouTube. Like and subscribe. All that stuff. Next episode, we're going to be reading Daenerys 4 in the Storm of Swords, which means that Daenerys is going to be treating with some of the Yankai slave traders right. and some of the cell swords and we're going to be meeting Dario Donkaras. Dario Naharis. Yeah. Do we have one chapter left after that of Danny or is that uh Danny, let me pull up my quick little counter Puzzle. here cuz uh John John yes has a lot. Danny, uh we have three more chapters of Danny. So this one and then two more. Yeah. And then after that is our Superman spreader event. Superman spreader event with Chloe with Chloe from, from Girls, Girls Gone Canon, and it's fantastic, and we're really excited to get that out to you. Of course, if you're on Patreon, you've been able to listen to that for yeah. a good while now. Yep. But it's coming out in uh, coming the, next, the next week or two. So send us your Danny Four inductees, and we'll catch you on the next one. Valo de Harris. Peace.